This episode is brought to you by Roundtable Group, the experts on experts. We've been connecting attorneys with experts for over 25 years. Find out more at roundtablegroup.com. Welcome to Discussions at the Roundtable. I'm Noah Balmer, your host, and today I'm excited to speak with Professor John Abraham. Professor Abraham is the Programming Director and Professor of Engineering at the University of St. Thomas and an Associate Research Fellow at the University of Minnesota. He's an, he's an expert in multiple engineering fields, including medical devices, climate change, uh, fluid flow processes, and numerous others. Professor Abraham has been published over 300 times, ranging from books to patents and is a sought-after expert witness in IP, personal injury, and product liability litigation. He holds a PhD and MS in mechanical engineering. Professor Abraham, it is a pleasure to have you on the show today. It's great being on. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Uh, so, John, um, let's jump into it. You've had a formidable career in engineering and teaching, and it looks like you've been on that track from your undergraduate days. Uh, tell us about your career. Well, I have uh, degrees in uh, an area called mechanical engineering. And interestingly, a subtopic that I specialize in is thermal sciences. So anything involving heat or flow, and that could be flow of things like air or water, any fluids or liquids or gases. So I do engineering design, heat and flow. Uh, how did you get into that? How'd you get started? I got started in, uh, working in litigation. Do you mean how did I get started in litigation or in my technical field? Uh, both. Okay. I uh, started at college as a physics major, but then realized there were uh, many career opportunities for physics people. So I, I moved to engineering sure. and I became really passionate about the thermal sciences and engineering design because of some really excellent professors that I had. And, and I went into those areas. I got my start in litigation because I work on the interaction of heat with the human body. And okay. I was invited to participate in a burn injury case early in my career. Um, it turns out I, I really like litigation. It's very challenging. There's intellectual engagements. It's, it's really, um, there's a lot of intellectual puzzles to solve. And so uh, after my first experience, I decided to pursue it more uh, uh, thoroughly. And that first and I've been, go ahead. And I've been uh, working as an expert witness, I'd say, for about uh, 20 years. Oh, wow. So you have quite a bit of experience as an expert. Yeah, I think uh, around 40 depositions and about 15 to 20 uh, trial or hearing testimonies. When you first got started, were you seeking out the work or did somebody contact you? Were you working as a consultant at the time? I was contacted um, and I was contacted because uh, I had done research in a certain area and that um, captured the attention of uh, some attorneys working in burn injuries. And after that, um, I, I've never really I've never advertised my services, uh, but it's generally word of mouth that has uh, brought uh, uh, different litigation opportunities to me. Um, and, you know, as as you know, if you uh, perform well and word of mouth gets uh, around, you can find yourself uh, with a lot of opportunities to participate. So that, that's what happened to me. I want to hear about this very first engagement. So they contacted you. Uh, you had never worked as an expert before. 
Uh, what sorts of things were you expecting? How uh, was the experience different from what you were thinking? How was the uh, the training? What was that first experience like? Boy, that's a really good question. Um, and, and it's a great question because that first experience is such a challenge for technical people wanting to get into litigation. You know, it's one thing to do some scientific studies and to publish your work. It's another thing to face a deposition and a trial testimony. I mean, they're very different animals. My sure. first experience was actually not a pleasant one because I was brought in beyond after the discovery date. So in my first experience, I expected to write a technical report, which I did. I expected to testify at trial, um, but because I was brought in after discovery, I was not permitted to appear um, in, in the case. And so that was a educational experience for me and uh, the attorneys that I was working with. But it, it really helped shape how I view the role of an expert moving forward. So it was my first experience was, I would say, a learning experience. <laughs> and what, uh, you know, changed throughout your career? What are the things that you would like to tell your first attorney all over again to say, hey, when you're getting the for the first time, when you're hiring a new expert, what you really should do is X, Y and Z. What are those things that that you think that attorneys should be doing to look out for their especially their newer experts who aren't familiar with the process? Yeah, that's a really good question. So newer experts, uh, experts in generally are good technically. They understand right. the technical details of a case, but they don't understand the legal machinations that are happening behind uh, the scenes. And in, in some respect, experts rely upon the attorneys to ensure that uh, the non-technical things go smoothly. Uh, but what I've learned is it's incumbent upon an expert to uh, participate in that role as well. And so now I am much more engaged in the non-technical areas of, of you know, situations when I testify. So whether it's a patent case, whether it's an injury case, whether it's a climate case, um, I am much more hands-on related to the non-technical aspects of my involvement. Uh, and that's, that's what I learned from my earlier cases. And how do you go about that preparation? You know, how do you how do you make yourself, you know, I, obviously you have to lean on your attorney. You have to ask them, you know, uh, the relevant laws and stuff like that. But beyond, you know, being an expert in the thing that you're an expert on, how do you go about educating yourself? How do you go about knowing even what you need to know, as it were? Um, for me, it was real, really a trial by fire. I didn't have uh, mentorship from another expert. I, I really learned on the job. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. As an expert, um, you, you have certain obligations. You need to tell the truth. You need to be forthright. Uh, you need to uh, communicate the strengths and weaknesses of a case to your experts. And what I did is I, I looked very carefully at the successes and failures that I had earlier in my uh, litigation career. And I asked myself, could I iron out some of the problems that had appeared? I mean, anytime you don't win a case, you want to know why. And I think a good expert will always be introspective about their prior experiences and what I, what I learned are skills that I bring into new cases. So I will ask attorneys um, about non-technical issues, legal issues, just to make sure that we're not running into hurdles that were otherwise unanticipated. So 
Um, it, it's learning on the on the job training, and it's a little bit of hard knocks. But you also learn from your victories as well, and and you also I also like to watch the uh, what what happens with other experts, the opposing experts in a case, to try to learn from what they have done in a certain case, and and see what I can implement in in the future for myself. So, uh, picking up the best traits as you go along is is really helpful the best traits especially related to communication but the short answer to your story is i am very forthright with attorneys that i work with and i ask them to ensure that there are no hidden legal issues or non-technical issues that could derail my testimony and uh, and attorneys are generally pretty quick to provide you with some insights at least from their vantage point but also when the experts is, is concerned about those issues and they voice those concerns to attorneys, the attorneys generally take them seriously. So, so in your opinion, it's, uh, you know, partly incumbent upon the expert to, to take a proactive role and ask the attorney questions and not to just, um, you know, sit idly by and, and, you know, hope for the best. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's correct. And so let's let's talk about do you have any specific cases that you can discuss? Obviously, you know, I, we don't need names of anybody or anything like that. But do you have a couple stories for us? Yeah, I do have some stories. Uh, and um, I I think um, maybe the most relevant story to to tell is a recent case that I had. It was a very high profile case uh, involving two tobacco companies. And what I learned from that case was it was an, I had an opportunity to meet with a jury psychologist who okay. helped me articulate technical ideas to a, a layperson, a lay, layperson's jury in ways that are easy to understand, uh, not patronizing, uh, not getting lost in wonkiness or, or jargon. And hearing from a psychologist on the things that are going on in the jury's mind was extraordinarily helpful because, you know, as a technical person, we like to bomb people with facts and show graphs and data, et cetera. And at the end of the day, um, you, you, you don't really prove your case. Uh, I mean, you do prove your case uh, with facts, but you need the jury to understand your facts. And I, I had a great quote from an attorney once. I was walking out of a case and I said to the attorney, man, we just proved our case. We're going to win this thing. We are going to win. We proved it. And he turned around and looked at me and says, what we proved doesn't matter at all. It's what the jury thinks. Mm -hmm. And that was a really profound uh, statement for me. And, and it's a real truism. So um, the, the story I wanted to relate was meeting with a psychologist, very helpful for a technical expert to get an insight into the minds of, of jurors. Is that something that you've come across in other cases or was it just the one time? That's the first time I've, I've heard of somebody using a jury psychologist to prepare an expert. Uh, it was the first and only time that's ever happened for me. Hmm. That's really interesting. And you found that helpful. You think that maybe attorneys should employ that more? Yes. Uh, th that's really interesting. Um, now, how about we are talking about, uh, you know, what you what you can say, what you shouldn't say. How about how does that apply to like, let's say, cross-examination? How do you prepare for, you know, getting peppered with questions from opposing counsel? If it's a criminal case, then the either the the other you know, the defense or the plaintiff, the opposite side. Yeah. 
That's a good question. And I've been involved in criminal cases as well as IP and injury cases and product malfunction cases. So I've seen, I've had the fortune or misfortune to see cross-examinations in a number of contexts. But uh, a few things that experts need to remember is generally shorter answers are, are better. Um, if, if you start discussing at depth some kind of technical issue, you've got about 20 seconds to hold the jury's attention. And once you lose it, it's hard to get it back. So mm -hmm. I like to, I like, when I'm preparing for a cross-examination, I try to anticipate the types of questions that are gonna come and the topics. And then I like to rehearse clean, tight answers in my mind. Because I, you know, clarity in your in your discussion, clarity in your answers is so, so important. And if you're just thinking up answers off the fly on the stand, that can lead you to confusing or convoluted answers. So I like to um, think, rehearse uh, the way I'm going to answer questions ahead of time. Um, now, uh, you know, if you prepare for a deposition, a deposition and a jury trial are so different. You know, going on the stand to testify in front of a jury is not the same as a depo. So my way? preparation, yeah, my preparation for my, for a depo is very different from my preparation for a jury trial. But I would say the number one thing to think about with respect to a jury trial is um, really articulate clear answers that the jury is going to understand and resonate with. Think about analogies that could be used that that strike home ideas and 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 make juries think about how these things work in their life. You know, any analogies that you can use are great. And then the last thing is don't fight with the attorney. You know, an attorney across sometimes on cross-examinations, I'd say about half the time, uh, attorneys want to pick a fight. Maybe even more than <laughs> half the time, they want to see you get mad. And once you get once you lose your cool, uh, once you get mad, um, you've lost a lot of your credibility with the jury. So uh, keeping things calm, answering things calmly and not getting emotional are really, really important in cross-examination. Are there any specific strategies that you employ to remain calm or to prepare in advance for those sorts of situations? Does is it is it just a matter of role playing with your attorney in advance, or just being prepared enough that nothing blindsides you? Um, that's part of it. So being over prepared is critical. And and what I I generally do my prep mostly on my own, but I will I I. In preparation for either a deposition or a trial, I try to anticipate what lines of questionings are most problematic from the other side, what, what you can expect, how those questions will be asked. I will generally run through areas of potential questions with my attorneys and see if I'm missing anything. Um, and then once I have the lay of the land, you know, some of the areas that they're going to try to hit me on, I will go and, and really think deeply about how I'm going to answer those questions in a way that's very articulate. And so, and, and that kind of rehearsal I do on my own. Now, with respect to strategies, there are some simple strategies. I mean, if you have an attorney who's asking a convoluted question or a, trying to get you ruffled um, or, or trying to get you upset, a simple answer of I disagree is such a diffusing uh, uh, answer for the attorney and the jury. And oftentimes 
attorneys will try to get you worked up on stuff that doesn't matter. <laughs> and as long as you show it doesn't matter, the jury's going to know it doesn't matter. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, at the end of a week long trial or a two week trial, what does the jury really remember? They they remember some of the questions and answers, but they really remember your demeanor, your professionalism, your clarity. Uh, jurors don't like long answers and they also don't like you not answering questions. So I like to answer questions very straightforward to the point, I give honest answers, and you can diffuse a, a an attorney that's a little hot under the collar by, you know, I disagree, or, you know, that's not how I would describe it. You know, there's simple answers that you can give to diffuse uh, uh, tough situations. Um, before we wrap up, you, I, I want to talk about something you mentioned a few times, which is winning. <laughs> so you, you've had a, a long career of doing this. How important is your, you know, proverbial scorecard when you're brought in as an expert? Um, you know, you may be on the prevailing side or not, but how important is it to you that you are actually on the prevailing side of the case? Well, that's a really uh, great question. So, um. The, the first thing to know is I personally only take cases that I feel very strongly about. And I, I do recommend that experts are judicious as they decide which cases to take on. You don't want to take on a case that's going to cause you to lose credibility in that case because it's going to impact your career later on. And also, experts have do a service to society. I mean, we have a role of instructing the court to help the court make the right decision. And so there is an ethical obligation that experts have. Once I sign up for a case, it means that I'm committed to the facts of the case. I'm not gonna uh, I'm not gonna be testifying in a case where I think we're not in the right. So with do you that know said, that? Go on. What's that? Uh, just oh, go on. Nothing. <laughs> with with that said, because I take cases that I feel confident in, I like to win. Uh, because I feel that if 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 the the fact the facts don't prevail, it's a bit of an injustice. So I do like to win. Um, I don't pay too much attention to you know the win loss record. I um, but I do like to win because when I'm in a case, I'm I'm convinced that my side has the facts on their side. Do you feel that you know that in advance of 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 being hired? In other words, when they first contact you, uh, do you feel that you have enough information to know kind of in in broad terms whether this is the the, the case that you are going to be on the right side of? Um, you sometimes know it, and sometimes you don't. So I will ask um, in an introductory phone call or an introductory Zoom call. I will often ask uh, targeted questions to the attorneys, ask them what the uh, primary, you know, the central issues are in the case, and then I'll use my own judgment to decide how strong the case is that the attorneys are offering. Now, so so I'd say half the time you you know ahead of time, maybe a little more than half. But there are situations where you learn facts as the case evolves. And sometimes you learn facts that help your side. And sometimes you learn facts that don't help your side. And as you learn, my recommendation for other experts is as you learn facts, you should uh, convey those to the attorney. So they should have the an understanding of the playing field as you see it. I mean, if a fact comes up that you think is problematic, you need to tell the attorney. And if your side is making an, a is taking a position 
that isn't defensible, you need to tell the attorney. And sometimes those things come up during the course of, of a litigation. Uh, and so I would say, you know, the short answer to your question is typically I know I have a pretty good sense of who's on the right side. Um, and if my later experience tells me that my side doesn't have the strongest set of facts, I will let my attorneys know that. Oh, that's excellent insight. Uh, thank you so much, Professor Abraham, for joining me here today. It was a pleasure. Thank you. This is Noah Balmer, and I'll see you next time for another Discussion at the Roundtable. Thank you for listening to our podcast, Discussions at Roundtable. Our show notes are available on our website, roundtablegroup.com. Subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening apps. 